Psalms chapter number 46. Psalms chapter number 46, and I'm going to do things just a little bit different tonight. As far as the service and as far as the invitation is concerned, I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a minute. Psalms chapter 46, we're going to remain standing and read through most of this chapter, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. I have a very brief thought, okay? Now, I said brief thought, and so it's going to be a brief time because as the Lord did with the loaves and the fishes, he can multiply small amounts of things. But I have something very simple. Matter of fact, uh, what I thought I'd be preaching on tonight, the Lord led us away from that early this morning. Matter of fact, uh, the Lord kind of woke us up about 4 o'clock. He used my wife to wake me up at about 4 o'clock this morning, uh, but couldn't sleep and went in and began to read, and the Lord showed us something that I believe he'd have us preach on tonight, and I believe he will uh, show us his will in the message. Psalms 46, verse number 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. The waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. And notice it follows up with Selah, wants us to pause and reflect upon what we just read. Verse 4, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall, God shall help her in that right early. Verse 6, the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. And notice there again, we are exhorted to pause and reflect there. Verse 7, come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. The key verse tonight is one we know well, verse number 10. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And let's just pray and ask the Lord to give us what we need tonight. Father, I do thank you for your word. And I thank you for how it speaks to us. And Lord, we depend upon your Holy Spirit tonight to speak to our hearts and to preach the message, Lord, that we need to hear. I pray, Father, that you'd help us understand what you have sent us tonight and then help us respond, Lord, during the invitation as we prepare for a new year, if you tarry, that, Lord, we'll take the truths from this passage into the new year with us, Lord, not only in our own hearts, but into our homes, into this church, and, Lord, into your will and what you're calling us to do. And, Lord, for what you do tonight, we'll thank you, we'll praise you, and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was thinking this morning about how I'm not usually one who makes New Year's resolutions, you know, those things that you promise to do in January that you're usually not doing by February, it rolls around. Uh, but I was thinking about the resolutions that we often make for ourselves, and uh, so I did some reading this morning about what are the most common New Year's resolutions. Several of them you may guess and be able to relate to, uh, but the first one is usually weight. We're going to lose weight in the new year, and I, I think that stems from the fact that we feel guilty uh, from eating so much during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, that we resolve that we're going to lose some weight, and that is usually the, the number one resolution. Uh, another one is to improve the finances. I think that's probably always one, isn't it, that you want to improve your finances. Uh, another one is, is exercise. Others is look for a better job. One is to manage stress. I think that's a good one. You learn to do that. And uh, one of my favorites, and this is always on my list of New Year's resolutions, 
resolutions, if we want to call them that, is uh, to work better at not procrastinating. Uh, that is something I'm very, very guilty of. Matter of fact, I think sometimes we train ourselves to work better under pressure by procrastinating until the last minute. Very bad habit to get into. I'm going to work on that. And it reminded me of a poem. I found it uh, this afternoon. And uh, this will be a good one for all of you procrastinators out there. It says, procrastination is my sin. It brings me naught but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. And so that, I can relate to that very well tonight because I sometimes can be a procrastinator, but I hope to do better than that in the new year. And, and then kind of rounding out the top of the list was uh, take time for self. It's always good to slow down just a little bit and take some time, clear your mind, especially for the Christian, spend some time walking with God and through his word. And so often those resolutions are resolutions we have for ourselves. And things that we want for ourselves, but the way the Lord kind of took the message this morning, as uh, I began reading in Psalms 46 uh, early uh, this morning, was how often do we reflect upon the resolutions God would desire that we have toward Him? And I believe in Psalms chapter number 46, you'll see some things that God desires for us, not only in the new year, but every day of our life, and as often as we can. And if you'll look closely down to verse number 10, you'll see what I believe that resolution is tonight that God would have us do. During the invitation time, we'll have a a time to respond to this. But in verse 10, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. As we look at Psalms 46 tonight, I believe we can find just a very simple, basic, but powerful truth of what our Father desires of us tonight. As we look toward the new year, I believe you can find that God would desire that we know that He is God. All right? Now, here's where we're going to dissect this just for a few minutes. This is not just an intellectual understanding. All right? I think just about everybody on the planet, most people uh, are aware or understanding of God or if there is a God or believe in there is some type of God. But this is not just a knowledge that he is there. This is a knowledge, you look it up, a knowledge through experience. The Bible says in verse number 10, be still and know that I am God. It's God's desire for us tonight that as we look toward the new year, that we be resolved, that we have a resolution that we are going to get to know God, not just an intellectual understanding, but through an experience of God. I want you to understand tonight that you can read books and learn about God and learn what all of his names are. There's so many wonderful attributes that you can intellectually possess about God, but that can never replace a personal experience of God in your own life. And when you look up these words, know that I am God, it's not just have a mental awareness. God is saying that I want you to have a resolve to have a personal experience with me. And I fear oftentimes in the church, many of us have a second-hand faith, all right? Uh, It's almost like wives' tales, you know? Uh, We pass down stories through our family and family histories, and we learn to just regurgitate a knowledge of God and what we've heard. There's nothing wrong with telling our children about the Lord. The Bible commands that. But sooner or later, our children need to move from an understanding of God to having a personal experience with God. Do you know there's a lot of people in hell tonight who have an understanding of God, who knew that there was a God, uh, who, who were even dealt with by the Holy Spirit of God to come to him in salvation. We know that because the Bible says he would draw all men unto him. And so they have an understanding of God. 
But sadly, there are many who, listen, who walk this world and who leave this life never having a personal experience with God through salvation. Now understand this tonight, that salvation is not the only experience you can have with God. God possesses so many precious promises and truths within his word that he wants us not to just be aware of, but he wants us to experience. And as we go into the new year, can I tell you what my prayer is for myself and what my prayer is for my family and what my prayer is for this church tonight? As we look toward 2020, that we will have a, a desire and a resolve within our heart that in this upcoming year that the Lord tarries, we're not just going to possess an understanding of God, but we are personally going to have an experience with God. And I believe that's what God's desire is, that we see and we experience and know that it was God who did what he did in our heart and what he desires to do in this church. I think about the great hymn writers. I was reading through some and this afternoon. I was thinking about John Newton. John Newton, in the words you read about in Amazing Grace, that's not a man who just possesses an understanding of God. Read the verses of Amazing Grace. Those are the verses of someone who's had a personal experience with God. It was kind of interesting. We went skating last night, and I had no intention of going skating. Uh, I was going, but not going skating. You know, I was just going to be the referee out there and trip kids as they came by and laugh at other adults that were courageous enough to get out there. And lo and behold, the next thing I look up, I have skates on my feet. And uh, I have to be honest with you, it was kind of an 80s throwback feel last night. My wife and I going around the skating rink, you know, and just kind of had that throwback feeling to all of that. And we, we told the folks when we were there, when you rent out the whole place, you know, we want to control the music. And we usually try to do that. And had some glitches last night where we couldn't do that. And we said, listen, we, we only want Christian music playing. And uh, they began playing some of the, the best they could do with and the best they could find. And when you could understand all of the words of, of what was being sung, I hate to tell you, it was about as shallow as a bird bath. It really was. I mean, there wasn't much depth there. I mean, look, I'm thankful that God loves me, but there's a whole lot deeper truth uh, in there than just repeating God loves me 17 times, you know. But you read about amazing grace when John Newton wrote this song. There's no way you could write those words with a mere understanding of God. The words that John Newton would write in Amazing Grace are words that came from a personal experience with God. John Newton knew that he was God. I want you to understand tonight my prayer for this church. Oh, look, I, I hope we fill up and I hope the balcony fills up and one day we build a bigger building. All, all that's fine and all that's great. But look, none of that could ever take the place of a prayer of a people that get together and desire to personally experience God. That we move on from our understanding that, yes, we know that God is good and grace is amazing and my hope is built on nothing. That's great to know those things. But, oh, it's a totally different world to experience them. And when you experience them for yourself, can I tell you something? You will have a fervent desire. You will have a fervent drive to go and share that with others. Now, what you think about this? Think about this tonight. The things that you're most passionate about are usually things you've experienced. Think about it. Think about it. You know, before I say something, I try to replay it in my head and make sure that it makes sense. You know, you try to vet the thoughts before you say it. I'm sitting there this afternoon in the back bedroom of our house and think about that thought. The things I'm most passionate about are things I have personally experienced. Let me ask you, what are you passionate about tonight? What are you passionate about? 
I mean, what, does, what, is, what is the one thing that doesn't take much for people to fire off your engine to talk about? Uh, I mean, I like talking about hunting. I like talking about fishing. Look, you don't, have to, you don't have to pry the conversation out of me to talk about hunting. I enjoy it. You don't have to pry a conversation to talk about Disney World, man. It, you, I'll keep you there all night long. We'll talk all about it, talk all about it. Why? Man, I've experienced that, and I've enjoyed that. And, man, I want to tell you about my experience. And then the Holy Spirit has this wonderful way of turning things back around on you. You're like, man, that's a great thought. I look forward to preaching that thought tonight. And then the Holy Spirit says, how passionate are you about the things of God? I'm like, come on. It's the last message of the year. I want it to be an uplifting message, you know. I want it to be one that makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, that's what we need. The reason we're not as passionate about the things of God, we're not passionate about other people being saved, we're not passionate about sharing about the hope that we have in Christ and the power of God and the grace of God is because so often we don't experience those things much in our own lives. Why are we bragging about the power of God when we've yet to know it or we haven't known it in, in many, many years? I'm thinking about Fanny Crosby this afternoon. One of my favorite songs. I can't pick a favorite hymn. I've tried, you know. I don't even know that I have a favorite drink. I just kind of move around the Coca-Cola sometimes. I like sweet tea, unsweet tea. And Miss Pam is even making me like kombucha. I'm kind of getting there with it. It's, it's, it's working, you know. And I can't pick out a favorite hymn, but I love Blessed Assurance. I love Blessed Assurance. Now, I want you to think about the words of Blessed Assurance and how powerful they are. And let's just change the words up just a little bit for the sake of illustration. Blessed assurance, Jesus is yours. Think about that. It doesn't quite have the, <clears throat> the gusto. But blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It's personal. And, and, and you get down, oh, you get down to the chorus. Imagine if it said, this is a story and this is a song. Oh, it just kind of loses its punch, doesn't it? Imagine singing, this is a story, this is a song, praising a Savior all the day long. Ah, I just don't seem to have that same mm to it, does it? But old Fanny Crosby didn't write A. She wrote, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. What was it? It was a personal experience by Fanny Crosby. That was way deeper than a birdbath. Why? Because Fanny Crosby knew that he was God. She experienced it personally in her life. And I want you to know, as you look toward the new year, I hope we all can lose a little bit of weight. Some of you need to gain some, and I'd be glad to trade you. If we can work that out some way, you know. They do blood transfusions. Why can't we do fat transfusions? Some of you folks need some. We need to figure that out. We could patent that and make a whole lot of money and build a big, great big new school out here. Wouldn't that be awesome? Look, you can look through the new year and you have a resolution to lose weight and to do better financially. That's all good and that's fine. But there's no resolution if you're a child of God that will ever top desiring and resolving that in this new year, if the good Lord tarries, I'm going to have a personal experience with God. I am going to, what verse 10 says, know it. I'm going to know that he is God. I believe this is what Elisha wanted when Elijah was taken to heaven and he asked for the, the mantle to fall, or Elijah said, if my mantle falls, then I'll give you, the God's give you a double portion of my spirit. Elisha goes over and he picks up that mantle. I hope there is a big screen TV in heaven. You know, everybody talks about it. I hope there is one. And we can watch a replay of that event. That would be amazing. As Elijah goes and he picks up that mantle, he walks right back over the Jordan, and he asks the question, where be the God of Elijah? What was he wanting? He says, man, I saw him experience that, and now I want to experience it myself. You see, he wasn't satisfied with a secondhand experience. 
And oftentimes we are, aren't we? We get satisfied with secondhand. Man, let me tell you what God did in the good old days. Let me tell you what God did for my grandmother. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we told our kids what God did for us? You know, instead of saying, boy, God saved your grandparents and God used your grandparents. Why don't we tell about how God saved us and how God used us? But there's, a, there's an answer to that that gets kind of difficult here in just a minute. I'll show you. So what do we want to get experience? Well, verse 46 gives us a grocery list of things we can experience. What does God say in verse 10? I want you to know that I am God. Well, what does he want us to know about him? Look at verse 1. He wants to know that he's, us to know that he's our refuge. He wants us to know that he's our strength. He wants us to know, verse 1, that he's a very present help. He says, look, I don't want you to have an awareness of that. I don't want you to just have an understanding of that. I want you to know that. I want you to experience my refuge and experience my strength and experience my help. Look down at verse number 8. It says, come behold the works of the Lord. He doesn't just want us to talk about what he did for others. He wants us to know the works in our life, to experience the works of God. One of the highlights of my ministry it's the little things that mean a lot to me, to be honest with you. Those little things that you never forget was when we were building Bayou Baptist Church. And boy, God just began to do stuff. And you had no doubt that it was God doing that stuff. It was God. And Trey McLemore, my wife's first cousin, they were there with us from the starting of the church, the youngest couple to help us start the church. And we were seeing God just do things not only in people's lives, but do things physically in our church building, how God provided for that roof for us and how, how God provided. I mean, we did it in a lawnmower one day. And this man just pulls up and drops off a 52-inch zero-turn lawnmower and says, God told me to give you my lawnmower. No kidding. It's exactly how it happened. And time after time after time, we kept seeing God work. And Trey McLemore walked up to me uh, and he says, you know, we used to have missionaries come to our church years ago. We'd hear about how God was doing this in the mission field. God was doing that. He says, we're getting to see that stuff right here. And oh, how it blessed my heart. Why? Because it wasn't us. It was God. They were experiencing. They were knowing what verse 8 says. The works of the Lord. Folks, that's what we need to have a desire. That ought to be our resolution tonight. My New Year's resolution is that I want to experience God. I don't want to hear grandma talk about it anymore. I'm thankful for godly grandmas. There's getting less and less of them, by the way. I need some godly mom and dads. You know, you're going to be the grandmas and grandpas one day. And you need to have an experience with God that you can share with them. The sad thing is we're sharing two and three generations of the past. Now notice, look down real quickly. I'm going to show you how we get there. And, and this is the tough part. Verse 10, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You really say, what does God want us to know? Well, it's really simple. It's right there in verse 10. He says, I want you to know that I am. I want you to know that I am. You know, I think a lot of us know that he is up here. And we believe it because he says it. But oh, there's nothing like experiencing that he is. When you, look, I'll tell you, I, I saw it this morning on Brother Joe Simmons' face. And I heard it in the words that he said. As he's sitting there in the hospital bed and they've explained to them what he's a, they're about to do. I mean, they're about to go in and cut on his heart. Uh, you know, this is, this is not like an appendix that you can say, well, it messed up, let's just take it out. You know, you kind of need your heart. He lays there in the bed, he looks up at me and he says, Brother Jeremiah, I'm going to be fine either way. He said, if I have my druthers, I got a few things I'd like to finish up if the Lord will let me hang around. Folks, can I tell you what that is? That's knowing your God. He wasn't just regurgitating something he got off a Max Lucado calendar. 
That's a personal experience. Wouldn't you like to have that? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know as they go and they begin to cut on your heart or uh, as you go and have a, a diagnosis from a doctor that, could, might, that might not go well, that no matter what, your God's got this. That there's no problem and no burden, there's no trial that you're going to face that's bigger than the God that you serve. Wouldn't you like to know that? You can. The Bible says, be still and know that I am. He is what? He's everything he said he was. He's everything he said he was. You read through this book and you find out what God says he was. He's not failed in any of them. And you could know that. Oh, how did Abraham get to know God up on Mount Moriah? When God told Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son. I love the fact that God pointed out, I know that's your only one. God pointed out, I know that's your only one. And I want you to sacrifice him up on Mount Moriah. And Moses, uh, Abraham goes up on Mount Moriah and he gets ready to sacrifice Isaac. And then God provides the lamb, Jehovah Jireh. In the name of God, God provides. Oh, did Abraham get to know that God provides? Oh, he knew God well. And we could know God that way, but there's a stipulation we're going to get to here in a moment. We'll pick on Reagan for a minute. Reagan, where you at? There she is. Reagan is our resident uh, genius and has a doctorate in all things dragon. If you want to know about dragons, you ask Miss Reagan. She can fill you in. She knows stuff that I didn't even know you can know about those things. And she was telling me about a ride in Disney World where you get to simulate riding on a dragon. And she's describing it to me. I mean, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And, she, and you're sitting on that thing and the dragon, you can feel him breathing. And I mean, it's like, oh, man, you know, really? Really? I said, well, do you really fly? And she says, no, you don't really fly. I said, well, it can't be that real and all of that, yeah, you know. And so my wife and my daughter are like, we got to go ride this ride. And so first day, first day, Miss Reagan, first day, we get up before daylight and we're flying to the park. We're going to be on that ride first thing. We stand in line with a bunch of other people who evidently had friends who told them the same thing. We waited an hour to get on the ride. Can I tell you what I was doing? Uh, Saturday morning, had breakfast with my brother and sister and their families. I was telling them all about this awesome ride where you sit on this thing and it's dragging, he's like breathing and you feel like you're flying and you get motion sickness, you feel like you're flying. Why was I so passionate about it? Because I experienced it. You see, I was just going on firsthand information from Miss Reagan and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, really, could it be that awesome? Yeah, it is, it is. I thought I was on a dragon. I could feel the dragon breathing underneath me and I'm holding on, you know, and I'm dodging things, you know, and other dragons trying to eat me. I mean, breaking a sweat just a little bit and breathing a sigh of relief when I got off. But man, I was telling my brother, I said, you got to ride this thing, man, you're up in the air and you're down, dragging, whoo, you know. You know, I was so passionate about it because I experienced it personally. It wasn't secondhand information anymore. Now, folks, look, the things of God. Look, the preacher gets up here and preaches about the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the providence of God, the grace of God when things are not going well. Sometimes we don't point that out. We don't want to look. I don't want to be a Joel Osteen who just points his, this great picture of his life is just full of blessings, blessings, and blessings. No, there's tough times, but the grace of God is sufficient in the tough times. And you can know that grace, and you can know that power. And we sit out there in the audience and we're like, oh, I don't know about all that. You know, you know, kind of like me, not quite, really, could it be that great? It is. God says, I want you to know that I am. He is. And oh, when you experience him for yourself, you find out that he is. 
But here gets the tough part. I've been trying to put off the tough part until as long as possible. We've got to get to it now. Look at verse 10 again. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So the knowing and experiencing God personally is a result. Now, what is the result of? Well, the reaction is knowing God. Well, what is the action that creates the reaction? It's the first two words in verse number 10. Be still and know that I am God. And boy, this is where, oh, the Lord worked in my heart this morning. You know me, I like to look up words and uh, not that uh, the Greek is correcting the King James, but it expands our understanding of the words that are used there because sometimes we're so shallow in our understanding of what words mean. And you look up those words, be still. Can I tell you what it means? I meant to put it up here so you can see it tonight. The word be still means to cast down, to throw down, to let fall, or let go. To, to throw down, to cast down, to let fall, or let go. Now, I've never, never thought that, never understood that. Be still and know that I am God. God says, I want you to experience me, but first you've got to learn to be still. Now, often we understand that is be still, take time, spend with God, but the definition is to let go or let fall. And oh, you know, the Lord began to unfold this this morning because he's showing us in those two words, those two words hold the key for us to personally experience God in 2020. He says, I need you to let go so that you can know that I am. God says, if you want to know that I am who I say I am and experience me for all that I say that I am, and that book is full of all who God says he is. God says, if you want to know it and you want to experience, you got to let go. And I'm thinking to myself, let go of what? Sunday morning we preached about leaving some things behind, but I don't believe that's what he's getting at. We'll look at a few things here and then we'll be done. So he says in verse 1, I want you to know that I'm your refuge. I want you to know that I'm your strength, that I'm your present help in time of trouble. So stick with me, and I, I just pray the Holy Spirit will help you understand the way he helped me see this this morning. He says, I want you to know that I will be your strength. I want you to experience my strength. I want you to know my strength personally. And in order for you to experience that, there's something you've got to let go of. Well, what is it? Because I want to experience God's strength. Turn with me real quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Stick with me. And I want you to look down to verse, let's see, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look down to verse number 8. Paul's speaking about his thorn in the flesh. He asked God in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that I'm, it might depart from me. Paul says, I've got this thorn and it hurts. Don't know exactly what it was. If God really would want us to know, he would have told us. But he says, I asked God three times to take it away. In verse number 9, the Bible says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Watch close. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Now, he tells us back in chapter 46, verse 1, I am your strength, and I want you to know that I am your strength, but you've got to let go of something in order to experience my strength. And Paul says that Christ spoke to him, read letters, and says, my strength is made perfect, what? In weakness. So what does God want us to let go of? Well, the only way we can experience his strength is to let go of ours. The only way we can experience his power is to let go of ours. Folks, can I tell you something tonight? So often what holds me back from experience the power of God is I don't like to be weak. I don't want to be powerless. I want to be in control. And God says, let go of that. Let go of you having to have your way and your strength and your power. Because when you finally become weak and your hands are empty, I printed off the definition. I want you to listen close to the example it gives. It says that be still means to throw down, to cast down, to let fall, especially of the hands. God says, I want you to be empty-handed. God says, I want you to be powerless. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. I don't like that. I want to be in control. I want to be in in command, and I want to have control of things. I don't want to be empty-handed. I don't want to let go. I don't want to be still. And God says, you'll never experience my strength until your hands are empty. I think about Gideon. Gideon had somewhat of a big army. Gets ready to go into battle. What does God tell him? Get rid of some guys. Look, if if I'm getting, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, we ain't got enough already. And you want us to get rid of some? God says, yeah, get rid of some. And God keeps whittling and whittling and whittling. And after a while, Gideon don't have hardly anything. 300 ragtag soldiers to go up against an innumerable army. What God do? God emptied his hands. God says, I want you to experience my strength. And the only way you can experience my strength is to let go of what you think is your strength. And then you have to depend on me. Now, folks, if we want to experience the power of God and the strength of God in 2020, we must let go of ours and understand we can't. We have a wonderful church family, wonderful facilities, a wonderful team that works around to make everything happen here. But we've got to understand it's not us. I think a lot of church would opt out, say, you know what, I thank God we got it, we're good. We're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You see, their hands were full. God says, you'll never see my strength until you realize that you're poor and wretched, miserable, blind. He said, you got to be emptied out. There's a principle all throughout Scripture that in order for us to be filled, we've got to first be empty. That's the problem. We don't like being empty. We don't like being weak. But what did he say in 2 Corinthians? My strength is made perfect. That means complete when? When you're weak. You know how we don't like that. told you a while back, I don't like feeling small. I I don't like, look, I don't like feeling like a a little, the the illustration I heard our preacher use years ago, you feel like the old plow mule in the Kentucky Derby. I don't like feeling like that, do you? But God says in order for my strength to be made perfect, In order for you to know me and experience me, you've got to let go, be still, empty out all of you. Notice what he says in verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. How can we know God's strength when we're continually relying on ours? 
There's something I think we've all experienced. I know I've experienced. I think my daughter's experienced it. So we keep the tradition going in our family of crossing the monkey bars for the first few times. Now, I encourage you, if you've never done it, you ought to go try. I don't care how old you are. You ought to go try. It's kind of an all-American thing. You need a you know, rite of passage to go across the monkey bars. I remember the Columbia Park there in Columbia, Mississippi. And Miley's there, and she's going across the monkey bars. And what happens? She gets halfway out there and gets stranded. And it's like one of the most life-altering traumatic events I don't know what kicking your feet does to help, but kicking your feet seems to help you hang on. You know, maybe there's a physics lesson in there. And you're hanging on and you're kicking your feet. And I say, keep going, Miley. She says, Dad, I can't. I can't. I say, keep going, Miley. I can't. I can't. Daddy, you got to go and get me. Daddy, go. And so I go over there and I put my hands near her waist and I said, let go. Let go. I can't, Daddy, 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 just grab me, Daddy. Oh, Look, some of you are going to have me arrested. They called social services or something for traumatic experience. So it's a good thing for our kids to struggle every once in a while, you know. And I said, Miley, you got to let go. I said, I got you. You got to let go. And finally, her little grip, man, she was hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. And I don't know as much as she let go or as it's her fingers decided, okay, we're done. And they let go for her. But she let go, and she found the strength of her dad. And dad caught her, and dad set her on the ground. She would have never experienced the strength of her dad if she hadn't let go. She had to let go to what she thought, I can't, I can't, I can't, I've got to hold on to that. And here we are, and it's almighty God himself. He's saying, let go. I can't, God, you just don't understand. I can't give in. i got to hold on. God says, just let go. Remember, I created the whole world. I'm the one who keeps your heart beating in your chest. That was me. That's my strength. And oh, how you could experience the strength of God in the new year if you would just be still. Let go. Now, I ask you tonight, real quickly, what is your strength? Is it your talents, your intelligence? What is it? You've been in church for 75 years. What is it? What are you relying on for your strength? I'll tell you, your strength is nothing compared to God's. Let go. God says, I want you to be still so that you can know. I want you to let go so that you can know. The Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter four, uh, 4, verse number 6, not by might nor by power, but by, listen close, personal pronoun, my spirit. Say that to the Lord. God says, you can't do it by might. You can't do it by power. It's by my spirit. God says, if anything happens, it's going to be me that does it. And oh, as we go into 2020, why don't we have a resolution that we're going to personally experience God's strength by letting go of ours? Say, God, we can't do it on our own. We're going to rely on you. Real quickly, think about Elijah by the brook Cherith. God says, get thee eastward, go camp there by the brook Cherith. He says, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And he drank water out of the brook. When did God show up the next time? It was when the brook dried up. God took him all the way to the brook was empty. And God says, all right, I want you to go over to the widow's house. Went to the widow's house, and here she was with just one little bit of meal left. And God says, I want you to give it to the man of God. Let it go. Wait a minute, What? That's all we got left, and you want me to give it to the preacher? No, we're going to eat this, and we're going to die. God says, let it go. All right, don't start singing the song, kids. I can see some of your eyes just lit up real quick. God says, turn loose. God says, be still. And so she let it go, and then God showed up, didn't he? How often God shows up when we finally relinquish what we're clinging to. I think about old Peter walking on the water. You know, when God showed up and Peter got to experience God, 
when he let go of the boat. And let go of the boat. It's easy to ride in the boat and talk about God, but it's another thing to experience him out on the water. But you got to let go of the boat. Real quickly, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength. I believe tonight we could know and experience God as our refuge. But here's the problem. You know what a refuge is? It's a shelter. It's something that you run to. Uh, here in the south, we have storm shelters, you know. It's Tornado Alley here down here. And tornadoes all over the place. See what it did to summer all the other day. If people go to those storm shelters, it's the place where they seek shelter and security. Can I ask you tonight, what do you run to? Where does your shelter, what gives you security? God could show you just how much of a refuge that he could be, but you're going to have to let go of whatever it is that you cling to in that time of trouble. God says, I want you to know that I'm the strength. God says, I want you to know that I'm your refuge. There was a man years ago, I went to his house. The Lord had blessed him financially. He built this beautiful, beautiful home. And he had what every man dreams of. He had a, a near-about bulletproof man cave full of guns. He had two feet of concrete poured on the roof of his man cave in his house. Corrugated metal, two feet of concrete poured on it. And it was just a beautiful, it was like an art museum of guns in there. And I says, man, this thing could hold up against anything. And he corrected me. He says, oh, no. He said, the only thing holding this thing up is God. He said, I'm not putting my trust in this storm shelter. I'm not putting my trust in that concrete. My trust is in the Lord. You see, he understood that his refuge had to be God. So often we take refuge in our finances. We take refuge in our personal security. And over missing out on knowing the refuge of God. Look down at verse 8 and I'll hurry. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, come and behold the works of the Lord what desolations he hath made in the earth. God says, I want you to know my works. I want you to experience my works personally. But wait a minute. In order to, for him to be our refuge, we have to let go of whatever we're clinging to and we find security in. In order for God to be our strength and we experience his strength, we have to let go of what we are looking to to be our strength. But then he says, I want you to know my works, the works of God. I want you to behold the works of God. How do we get to that? Well, we've got to be still. We've got to get to the place where we quit substituting what we want and what we can do for what only God can do. Nehemiah chapter number 6, verse 16, we read about the wall that was built. And the Bible says that even when the enemies saw it, the enemies knew that it was wrought of God. It says, boy, God did that. God did that. Can I tell you what Hattiesburg needs to see in 2020? Not what Central Baptist Church and its people can do, but what can God can do. Does God work through people? Does God work through his church? Absolutely, but here's what we've got to do. We've got to decide, God, I'm going to pour out what I desire, what I want to do, so that you can use me for what only you can do. And when we see God do what only God can do, well, then we finally have experienced the works of God. So here's the message tonight, very simple. Just a few hours, it'll be a new year. We'll be looking forward to what God desires to do. In 2020, I believe we could experience the refuge of God, the strength of God. We could experience the works of God. But God says, knowing that I am God only comes after you be still. Be still. God says, let go. Let go. I wonder tonight. We're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. I wonder tonight what it might be that God would have us let go of. I'm not talking about sins tonight. We talked about that Sunday. I hope we took care of that Sunday, right? Amen. Shake your head. Make me feel better. Yeah, we took care of that Sunday. 
But I wonder, in order for you to experience God's strength, you're going to have to quit doing things in your strength. I wonder tonight, in order to experience the works of God, we've got to quit trying to do the works of self in our own will, in our own way, in our own desires. I believe God would have us let go of those things, to be still that we might know that he is God. I wonder tonight, maybe God wants you to let go of who you are so that you could find out who he is. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to empty it out tonight. I'm going to let go. Whatever it is, I'm going to let go of it so that I can be weak so that you can be strong. I'm willing to be a nobody so that you can be the somebody. I'm willing to be 